For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Hello and welcome to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, and as always, the Wolf Among Wolves podcast is a part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on a Wolf Among Wolves blog. So today I'm joined by Jeffrey Bisoy, and we're going to talk about mainly just about the Timberwolves uh, game against the Memphis Grizzlies and just how bad that fourth quarter was and kind of talk about Ryan Saunders too, because people have been calling for Saunders' head. Um, So how's it going, Jeffrey? I'm good. I'm good. I couldn't help myself in that introduction. It's it's been a rough 24 hours, at least for Wolves fandom. So I'm, I'm excited yeah. to be here to talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. So you said, because I was just asking basically anybody, just seeing if anybody's free because people are busy. And you said you were free and you you had some thoughts. So what do you want to start? <laughs> you want to start with the game in general or Saunders or, or what? what are you feeling? I, I feel like we just got to start with the game. I feel like the game is going to lead us to Saunders ultimately because you can't talk about the game without talking to game management. Um, you know, I, I was extremely frustrated because earlier that day, there was like that wave of optimism. You know, everyone was like, oh, man, we got a an easier stretch of the schedule now. You know, everyone was like, yeah, we're going to go maybe four, six, three or seven to start the year. Well, even you and, and I, degree- like. I had tweeted out the next 10 games and I, it was like, what, uh, how good do you think the wolves are going to be over these next, these next 10? And it's, it was, it was definitely a lot easier 10 game than the, the last 10 games. Plus the team was fully healthy and we were optimistic. And we thought these two Memphis games are like games. The wolves should have like, regardless, no jaw, no Jaron. It was, it was supposed, it had to be the wolves. And it, and it was, it had to be. It, it, it wasn't, and that's what was frustrating about it, because we were we had that back and forth, and you know I think even in the game you 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 saw the the glimpses of potential dominance that the Wolves could have, especially with a healthy cat. You know, even while playing with that cast on his left wrist, he looked so good. You know, yeah, and yeah. you knew that you know he's only at like what seventy percent, seventy five percent. So you're still like, oh my goodness, like just wait till he gets to game shape. Just wait till he's off that cast. The Wolves are going to be interesting, if not something special, especially the way Malik and D'Lo have been playing lately. But then you watch that game through three quarters. You're like, okay, Wolves, you're keeping it way too close. You're actually doing decently defensively, but you're just keeping them in the game. And my stream actually went down in the fourth quarter, and we were up 12 going into the fourth. And I was like, oh, no, I'm missing the game. And I wasn't able to watch the rest of the game. But all I know is that we lost the game. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, it fell apart. It fell apart bad because they started, yeah, they're up 10 going in. They scored a bucket. And then from there on out, uh, things just turned south. Um, and, 
and it was really interesting because they they did look so good on the defensive side of the ball all three quarters mm-hmm. um leading up to the fourth i don't know the exact score but um the grizzlies scored 27 29 24 in the first three quarters they didn't hit 30 once um and then they Until scored the 38 in that final frame so they had they must have had 80 80 points going through three quarters like that's good for the timberwolves um and and cat ignore i don't know if you watched cats <clears throat> excuse me post game interview um yeah. but he acknowledged like they did good through those first three quarters and the fourth just just kind of turned upside down and it was it was bad so did you ever get to watch what happened in the fourth quarter or look at the the lineups or anything of what I, I, I looked at the like i looked at the lineups and i ultimately was not like I was so frustrated and then a part of me was like not surprised because even in moments when either Cat was resting or Malik and D'Lo were resting, too often they were they were arrested for too long. Yeah. And in those moments, that's part of the reason why Memphis was in this game to begin with. Like if the, if the Wolves would have tightened that rotation and would have kept one of D'Lo or Malik in because they've been cooking the entire game as opposed to going to a, a cold bench, uh, when you look at the tallies, just look at the tallies. You know, Malik, D'Lo, Cat, killing it. Everybody else has, like, less than 10 points. Yeah. Something went wrong there. Yeah. So so Jack Borman, writer for Canis Hoopus, he does a lineup log um, where he just, whatever the five-man group is, he puts when they went in, when they came mm-hmm. out, and, you know, the plus-minus of that group, how many points we scored, the scores when they came in, just everything. And it's, it's something that's really easy to look at because it's just in a spreadsheet. So I just pulled it up quick. Start the fourth. Wolves were up ninety to eighty, um, yeah. and the 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 unit that Ryan deployed was Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Jarrett Culver, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed. So they played about two minutes, two minutes together, and they scored two and they gave up eight. Mm-hmm. So then Ryan made a decision. Oh, we can't play defense, so let's take out the second best defender on the floor, Derek Culver, and he put in Malik Beasley. They also weren't scoring. I get they weren't scoring. But they took out Culver, put in Beasley, and then that that group, they they had a minus five in 54 seconds. And now all of a sudden the Grizzlies are up 93-92. Yep. Carl Anthony Towns needed to be in that game to hold that 10-point lead, get it up to... 15 or something so they could survive a little bit longer because Mm -hmm. towns had only played like three minutes at the end of the third quarter. And he had like six or seven minutes rest before that. So he could have easily started the fourth, did like a quick three minute spurt sat for four minutes to let Nas try and hold it down for just like a little bit and then came back in and it, it didn't work. And then by the time cat came in, uh, the wolves were already down by one. Juancho Hernan Gomez decided he doesn't want to close out on Kyle Anderson when he had five seconds to do so, um, and everything just went south there. And then they, oh then the Wolves couldn't get the they couldn't get the ball in the basket too. So that was that was kind of a a tricky thing. But just looking well, at some fun. of those rotations, I don't get what what Saunders was doing there. And I've been a Saunders defender right. for the most part because he hasn't had a healthy roster. Mm-hmm. for a long time and and he still is young and trying to like figure it out with a healthy roster but those are decisions that i think just like a high school basketball coach could make and ryan just didn't make the right ones i mean it's not even like a high school basketball coach would make it's, it's a decision that high school basketball coaches make all the time you have yeah. a star or some stars you recognize that there's maybe some talent on your bench or maybe some talent in your lineups, but they're not at the level to carry a team. And right. every smart coach is going to stagger. I think that's why I was so mad because you saw it heading into the fourth. I mean, the fact – I think Cat said it best after the game. It's like you got a 10-point lead. All right, you got to find a way to increase it to 20, increase it to 30, increase it to 40 because the NBA teams come back. And this yeah. Memphis team, every time you punch them in the mouth – and we started to build like a four-point lead, six-point lead. They always came roaring back. And a lot of times when they came back, it was with that bench unit. And, yeah, and I was like pulling my hair out like, what are we doing? Why are these – especially like when you have someone like Ricky Rubio coming in who's been cold to start the season. And you're playing in a way where 
you know, because he needs to be more of an emotion set as opposed to running pick and roll 24-7. And he's not in that. He's lost right. and just jacking up shots. And then you surround him with non-shooters. I, I just don't get I just don't get the the correlation there, especially when you have two sharp shooters that are right there getting ice cold on the bench when you could have them in the in the, in the lineup with Rubio or figure out figure out a way to make it work. I, I was so frustrated. Yeah, and and Ricky isn't the type of player. He's not the type of vet that's gonna <sighs> like make things happen for people that can't do anything. You know, he's not that good to the point where he's finding really good shots for Culver and Vanderbilt who aren't great offensive weapons. Ricky Rubio optimizes people like Carl Anthony Towns or Malik Beasley who can get the ball in the bucket. He finds even better shots for those guys. And I even tweeted out some things, just some two-man lineup type of situations because somebody was saying that the the Rubio-Russell thing wasn't working out. Um, And when they were together, it really hasn't. But when Rubio, Russell, and Towns were all together, that's when it really starts to look impressive. Like Russell, Towns, and Rubio, net rating of uh, 8.7. Defensive rating is 107.5. So they're actually like solid with that group on there. But I would have to go back and look at what Rubio looks like with like Vanderbilt and all those other guys um, because it hasn't been good, especially in fourth quarters. But back to Ryan, like he knows they've been bad in fourth quarters, especially to start them. And he hasn't done anything to change who he deploys to start the fourth quarter to kind of keep them in. And that's the part that just boggles my mind is like, it's not a new problem that just happened once where all of a sudden the bench unit couldn't come out in the fourth quarter. It's been a consistent problem all year long. You know, I, I, after the game, uh, Jack Borman was like, Ryan needs to go. Like, I, it, yeah. it was inexcusable. Uh, and I agree. I think it is inexcusable. Um, and and this is where it, it's, it's a mess in Timberwolves Timberwol- fandom right now because there is a lot of blame that can be pointed around. Um, obviously, I think Gerson Rosas, you know, recently has been getting a whole lot of blame with the roster construction and more more specifically at the the lack of size of this team, um, particularly obviously yeah. at power forward where we have a glaring hole. I think, you know, obviously if we had a power forward and Jared Vanderbilt obviously picked up a bunch of quick fouls in the first half, you know, a lot of the issues that we were having from a rebounding perspective, Alan Schultz was just, feet, you know, uh, you know, killing on the inside. Uh, we let Brandon Clark go out for 19. You know, if it's not Dylan Brooks, yeah. it was somebody else that had no business going off. Um, Grayson Allen scored 20. Grayson Allen has no business scoring 20 points in the league like that. And we we had him looking like he was a sharpshooter when he is not. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I think those those are some things that you can pour to our girls on and be like, hey, okay, you missed this big piece, but you actually done well in other areas. So we'll give you a little bit of leeway. We know we have an issue with size. But then you have to start looking at Ryan and being like, you still have a roster with talent. You have other pl- you have other folks on here. If if Juancho isn't performing, and goodness, we got to talk about how how bad Juancho was in that game. You got to yank him. Like there was that scene where he was yelling at him when he when he hit uh when he got to the bench. I'm like, that's not enough. Can you still put him back in the game? He was playing terribly, and still you're like, yeah, yeah. You know what, Juancho, pull up, pull up. Go back in the game, like no, he's playing off when he's killing you defensively and offensively, um, and and I think that's where the Ryan situation is not just a rotation; it's also just like what is actually going through his mind strategically, especially when the game is that close, and putting in players when they're just not performing that well. I'm sorry, I know you want players to find rhythm; they've clearly invested in Tawancho, but we're at a, we're at an impasse with him right now. It's like. Yeah, we have a lack of size, but we're fine letting you be ice cold on the bench because you're killing us every time you're on the court. And even D'Lo yeah. had a little had a little soundbite of him on the bench, like every time you're in the paint, you're messing up. <laughs> Stop that! It's like that's what happens. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wancho, like, yeah, they paid him seven million dollars annual value over the next three years with the player mm-hmm. option. So like, they invested in him. I think a little bit yesterday, it was really. Yesterday was very, very like, op, I don't know. It magnified the problem because not only did Jared Vanderbilt get in early foul trouble where he had only eight minutes in the first half because he had three fouls, yeah. but also 
Saunders couldn't go to Jake Lehman because Lehman was out for personal reasons. So he couldn't even get that look. So basically the mm-hmm. only other option was Jaden McDaniels, which I actually wanted to see because I didn't think there was any way he could be worse. And otherwise not, or excuse me, otherwise Ed Davis um, playing the four, which they could have done. It's not an optimal lineup, but they could have had Nas and Ed out there together. Nas is a good enough spacer where he has to be respected from deep or he can make a, make a team pay. But it was really just optimized last night because, because Jake Lehman wasn't there and because Vanderbilt was in foul trouble. But then it got to the point where Vanderbilt didn't have, he hadn't played much in the second half yet. And he still only had three fouls. And it was like, okay, now's kind of the time to, to deploy him. And we didn't see that. Cause he didn't see the, he didn't see the floor in the third quarter until there was uh three minutes left, basically three, four minutes left. Um, and that was a time that you could have used him earlier on to even just help that lead grow there at the, even in the yeah. third quarter to have it be 15 instead of, instead of 10 going into the, the final frame. But yeah, there that's the big problem has been um, the power forward. And, and like you said, Rosas has done some great things. A trade for Malik Beasley um, looks to be really good. And then the contract, not only the trade, but yeah, the contract too. Yeah. Yeah. Like thir- 13 million this year, 14 or 15, basically, you know, 15 million for four years. I'm sure as long as nothing goes wrong, like 15, Three years down the line from now, Beasley being on a $15 million contract could be like one of the best values in the league if he's a 20-something point-per-game scorer. So like he's done good there, but I, I've i been really impressed with um, Rosas overall. But at the same time, like you said, we can acknowledge that he's done good things while also saying that he's done not good things. And the one hole he left on this team is the power forward. And maybe he has a plan, but the plan right now, what's happening right now just is not working. You, you know, it's our, our, our team is unbalanced in so many ways. I know Britain, Dane, um, and even John Kay have talked about it quite a bit about how we, we have one way players, which is, which is the reality. We have players that are either tremendous on offense um, or players that are tremendous on defense. And we don't have both. Um, I think towns, and we have you know, too with many the, of the we, offensive ones too. Exactly. And, you know, Towns has been a middling force when he's uh, when he's been around. You know, he hasn't played that much because of injury. But he's, when he's been there, his defense has been good. Offensively, obviously, he's been great, but he still needs to get back in shape. And then you have folks like <laughs> Juancho, who's good at neither. Um, yeah. And what that does is that since you don't have the bigs that you need into rotation at the four, you know, we, there's always a talk about the experiment of, oh, we could put Josh Okoge at the four. You can play Josh Akogi at the four in a game like last night, as much as we want to see it, especially when Lehman is out. Because yeah. a lot of what Josh Akogi, the way that he was guarding, he was guarding mostly perimeter players when he was mm-hmm. in there. And he has to do that because, unfortunately, I mean, Malik tries hard, but he's not a great defender. And D'Lo, actually, to his credit, actually played for, for pretty good defense in the he first half. He did look good last night, yeah. For, you yeah, know, like, and, I, and I think the thing with D'Angelo Russell is that He's never going to be an elite defender, but I think if games are competitive, he can at least become some sort of Steph Curry yeah. type defender where he yeah. doesn't hurt you and he doesn't absolutely become a liability. But at the same time, you're not going to say, hey, Odilo, I need you to go guard uh, Devin Booker for the last shot of the game. Like, you know, he's never going to be that, right? Um, but because of their deficiencies on that side of the floor, now Josh Kogi's Josh in there. You don't have Lehman in the game. Um, he's forced to play against some of the tougher assignments on the perimeter. And that really hurt Minnesota because yeah. then you're like, okay, go ahead, Juancho, show me what you can do. Okay, Cat, show me what you can do. And Cat's doing a good job, but we let 80 points in the paint. 80. It was floater after floater after floater. Tyus Jones was making floaters that he was missing and bricking for like two, three seasons in Minnesota. And yeah. he, he was looking pretty decent coming into the paint. And everyone just had that confidence that, okay, I get into the middle of the floor. I toss one up from 10, 15 feet. I'm money. That, that, that's, that's not good. That's, that is a very bad recipe for success. And I don't know what the solution is. Things obviously get better with Lehman, but uh, that makes it hard on Saunders. But I don't, I, I'm not excusing him by any means. And his Jake role Lehman even in the rotation? 
is Jake Lehman even in the 10-man rotation? Because they played 10 men tonight, and the only way I see him being in it is you're either taking Wancho or Vanderbilt out. And I don't think there's any way Saunders survives if he takes Vanderbilt out. I think he takes Juancho out. The I think the the the, the challenge here and, and, and it's tricky, right? Because Juancho had that one good game and then he had one more that was halfway decent. Yeah. So in his head, he him and the staff are probably like, okay, we can probably put Juancho next to Cat and Cat can, you know, mitigate some of his mistakes on defense. And most likely what will happen is that on offense, hopefully he can space the floor enough where there's enough uh, wiggle room for D'Lo to shake and bake, whatever, um, or Malik to do his thing and pull up a mid-range, right? But the challenge with that is, is that we, we saw last night why that's just not possible. Good teams, and Memphis, yeah, they're missing all of their stars, but they still have that mentality that they're yeah. a mid-league team that can be in a playoff contention Good teams will exploit that, and they did. And this is why Lehman is interesting to me because you can start with a Juancho because maybe you'll want to see, okay, maybe he can get cooking like that one game where he started off the he started off with like seven points in the first quarter. Maybe you can you can start with him, but when you realize that he's a liability, like Ryan realized he was a liability, you bring in Lehman. You bring in Lehman, yeah. you play him at the three, and then now you can play Okogi at the four or Vanderbilt, and then you just mix and match. But not having that, I'm not saying that he's a be-all, end-all, but for what is currently on this roster, not having him last night is one of the reasons, in addition to a lot of Saunders' issues, that led to the result because he didn't have any other options or maybe options that he trusted or felt that he could trust in those type of moments. Yeah, and and Saunders said that Lehman will get another chance. He's not just out of the rotation for the season, so... I don't remember where exactly he said that, but it was within the, the past couple of days. Um, and that's good because, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he would have put Lehman in last night. Um, the problem I see with you mentioning a Kogi guarding the four, I'm okay with him guarding the four. If it's Blake Griffin on the Pistons, but like, you don't want him guarding the four against someone that has a, a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal. Like he can't be guarding those types of players because he's got to stop the other guy because those are the types of players that kill them more. And I think Jake Lehman does a better job mitigating a little bit more for towns than, than Wancho does. Um, And Lehman's not a great defender, but he's quicker than, than Wancho. And at the same point, Lehman isn't a great shooter. He's an okay shooter. Uh, Wancho has been a good shooter, except for this year. He's shooting like 30%. Um, See, my argument is, so if Wancho's going to be in the rotation and Jake Lehman's not going to be in the rotation and Wancho's going to be your four, I think Wancho has to start instead of Vanderbilt to open up the floor for D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Malik Beasley. Because even though Wancho's not shooting it great this year, he still spaces the floor simply because people are going to guard him out there. And until they stop doing that, I think that opening up the middle of the floor for D'Lo, because D'Lo gets hot, yeah. you always notice his first shot is like a mid-range from from the elbow, and he just if he oh. drains it, it's going to be a good it's going to be a good night. Yep, it's not happening if Vanderbilt and Akogi are both starting because they don't have to guard those guys out there. And even if Wancho's not shooting the ball well, defenses still respect that because he has shot the ball well for his career. Um. But I'm to the point where I don't think that Wancho should even be in the rotation right now, um, and he should earn it. Um, but they, it, it's been a argument about, oh, his confidence is better in the starting lineup. Well, he still looks bad in the starting lineup, so I don't care what his confidence is. Put him back on the bench. If it's going to be the same, why not start Vanderbilt? But I, I wish Vanderbilt could shoot. That's all I could say, because if Vanderbilt could shoot even 30%, it would open up doors. Um but he can't complain too much because at least he's bringing defense that pretty much nobody else is. You know, and, and that that's the conundrum, right, is that you put in Vanderbilt, you start a Kogi because obviously you need to start a Kogi, um, and you shrink the floor. But here's, here's, here's my counter, counter argument that it's setting the tone. I, I personally think that one of the biggest issues with the Minnesota Timberwolves is that they have a very hard time setting the tone early and often and consistently. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, everyone often can say, like, okay, but that's the point guard's job. And I think that's part of the many reasons why we were really hard on D'Lo to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last few games he's shown us that, okay, uh, he can wake up and, and, and be in some of those modes where he's like, all right, it's go time. We're going to push the tempo. We're going to get things started. And we know Malik is a <laughs> Malik is a shooter. We don't, we, we don't need to pump him up. Uh, but he can't be the only one that's pumped. And, and that's why I like Vanderbilt because for a lot of that first quarter, you know, I was watching Juancho explicitly. And, yes, I know that he gets respected on a three-point line. It, it, it keeps the defense honest. But he just looks so lost in yeah. everything. And I don't know if it's because he came into – Came into you know camp out of shape. I don't I don't know if because he because he was doing that movie with Adam Sandler. That argument that, that argument's gone now. It's been eleven yeah. games. He's been there. Yeah. He should be in game shape. That that he argument is shape. out the door. Yep. And he should be engaged. He should be engaged. Yeah. He he looks so disengaged. And then on defense, yeah, he's not laterally quick to keep up with some folks. But when you're getting cooked by Brandon Clark, and and it's not to say that Brandon Clark's not a good player. Yeah. The defender, very athletic. But when you're getting kicked, cooked by him time after time after time, and when your defensive rotations are so bad that well, Kyle Anderson, you're... who's literally called slow-mo, like he's one of the – like he's not quick at all. And if Wancho can't guard him, who can he guard? Last year, last year, in the 14 games that Wancho played with the Timberwolves, I, I kept saying to myself, he's not great on defense, but – Usually he's in the right spot. This year he hasn't even been in the right spot. And I want to go, I want to go look at like rewatch early parts of games and see if Wancho's defense is good at the at the beginning of games. Because I have a theory that like if he hasn't missed any shots yet, the confidence is a little bit there and he's more engaged on that side. But I don't know. That's just something I want to look at. Maybe no, you've I, noticed I, that it's not that. I I, I I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean. I think for the most part, I think your theory of him being in the right place is accurate enough. I think I think he gets to where he needs to be more often than not. The yeah. issue is, is he has no resistance. You know, he's not laterally quick, so he's not stopping against the burst. He's not, you know, he's not jumping out the gym, so he's not a rim protector. And and, and Cat is an okay rim protector, but he's not a Miles Turner out here. So basically yeah. what happens is a Brandon Clark can dribble him, dribble him into a spot do a little okey-doke or can just go straight to the middle of the floor and hit a floater. And because he's basically bringing another guard into that space where Cat's already guarding Valanchunas and trying to be careful that, you know, Valanchunas doesn't get the offensive board off a rebound, um, it, it, it's, it's a lose-lose situation. And there, there's a few plays in the beginning. There's one play in particular that sticks, sticks out to me was – it was a defense position that led to a ride open. I think it was DeAnthony Melton three. I think it was his only made three of the game because I think he went one yeah. for four. And DeAnthony Melton's coming up. I'm like, he's, he, he, he had, it was like a dribble handoff. He came to the right side and then he did like some sort of pick and roll. And it was with D'Angelo Russell and Juancho, which is obviously if you're Minnesota, you're like, oh man, this is going to end badly. Mm-hmm. And it did end badly in particular because. D'Lo was working on the switch. He was gonna. He was working on staying with De'Anthony Melton to contest, and Juancho was supposed to drop down. And D'Angelo Russell's literally yelling at him like, "Yo, don't do this! Don't do this! Don't do this!" Right. And Juancho just like gets stuck in like slow mo, and you just see D'Angelo Russell. I mean, not D'Angelo Russell, but De'Anthony Melton create himself about five feet of separation, wide open for open three, and D'Lo's just looking at him like, "What are you doing?" And when D'Angelo Russell is looking at you like, what are you doing? That's the moment where Ryan Sanders has to say, get out of the game. Yeah. If Bruno's telling you you're messing up on rotations, you're really messing up. And and, and I think that's where a lot of my frustration with Juancho in particular were because he absolutely killed us that game. Absolutely killed us. Yeah, and and back to the one play I was talking about earlier too, Kyle Anderson caught the ball and Juancho, so right outside the three-point line, and Juancho was probably like, 10 feet away Anderson kind of gave like a pump fake like he was gonna go Wancho took like a step questioned it because he was scared of getting beat by Kyle Anderson and then Anderson just shot and Wancho still like six feet away there was just no resistance there you can't be scared to be beat by somebody like that like what is that gonna I don't want you to jump at it but like get out there and contest like he has a slow jump shot so you have time to get there and he's yeah. not going to blow by you. Like, 
just get there. And he did not get there. And that's the worst part. Like Jake Lehman will get there. Yeah. Jared Vanderbilt would have got there. Wancho didn't do that. And that's, that's like right after the Grizzlies took the lead and they extended it. Kyle Anderson hit two threes. I don't remember if the second one was on Wancho, but I, I would guess it was cause that was his assignment, but yeah, it's bad. And, and you think about people like that aren't great athletes to where they can't move their feet side to side very well, or they're not fast. Like Wancho's not like that. Most of the people not yeah. like that are also big and strong and can't be moved by other teams. Wancho's exactly. not. He's neither big and strong nor fast and quick. He's well, he's the polar opposite of Peckovich. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. He's the polar opposite. It it's it's so bad. Because if he could move his feet like layman, you it'd be better. If he could jump, if he could like like put on some muscle and look something like a Kogi or Vanderbilt even, way mm-hmm. better. But he's he's neither, and that's it's not good. That's not good for um playing defense at all and then when his offense isn't on it's yeah it's pretty much just game over at that point absolutely i i want to touch on the power power forward situation a little bit because i think that's going to be a glaring thing and i think you know you started off talking about ryan saunders we should probably go back to that but yeah i i think what you mentioned about starting juancho i think it makes sense um, I think you kind of have to start him for lack of better options. I mean, people are going to scream Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Trust me, I'm screaming Vanderbilt too. Um, I still think that he can be uh, a baby Draymond because he has passing abilities. He, he's intensive on both sides of the ball. And I think as he matures, he can really assume that uh, defensive communicator that keeps everyone intact. I think I see a lot of those qualities right. in him. But as of right now, you know, at the end of the game, Vanderbilt's probably closing. If Juancho's not having a good game, if Lehman's not having a good game, he's definitely closing. He's the one that will probably have the most minutes at power forward throughout a four Yeah, it's either going to be him closing there or if if the matchups work out, they'll probably run Josh at the four to close. But one of those two is going to close. I don't think Juancho's the answer to close games. And closing right. is more important than, than starting, um, mm-hmm. and that's something I've always said. Yep. But at the same time, that means Juancho has to be in there to start the fourth which is when teams have been making their runs. So you you got to do something to get some defense in there to start. You can maybe play Wancho in a few minutes, you know, in the middle of the quarter, but then to close it out, you got to got to get some defense back in there. Um so with the power forward position, what do you think the Wolves should do or should not have done maybe, you know, referencing Ronnie Hell Jefferson or what do you oh, think man. the next step is for because I struggle with the Rondé thing. I, st- uh, I struggle with it because because Vanderbilt is doing basically the same thing that, that Rondé was doing. So if you could have two of those guys, like, yeah, the defense would be a lot better. But 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 not having any any shooting from the four spot, what does that do to your offense? Is there enough offense? There's an argument there's enough offense because you have jo- or you have D'Angelo, Malik, and Cap. I think that's my thing. I think that... Because we have such one-dimensional players, and that's where we get back to Ryan Saunders. That is his job to make it work. It is his right. job to, to, to look at the pieces that he has and make it work. This is not an atrocious roster. There are atrocious rosters in this league. This is not an atrocious yeah. roster. There is talent on this roster. We have a misused roster because we have someone that does not know how to put folks where they need to be. And 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 for me with Rondé Rondé Holly Jefferson, um, Jefferson is it, it was basically that. Like I was thinking about that last night with Juancho struggling. Like if we had kept Rondé, and we currently have JV in foul trouble, this is a good Rondé game to just come in and do what he has to do. Yeah, and the even if he's not in the rotation, even if he's not in the rotation, you know, Dane talked a lot about okay. We need flexibility from the business side, and I get that. Um, he also talked about, like, I don't think Rondé cracks a 10-man rotation. My counterargument was, like, the power forward spot is so open that it's always going to be matchup-based. It's always going yeah. to be matchup-based. So who starts at the four really doesn't matter. It's about the flexibility of getting into the schematics and dictating what you want the game to be, depending on who your what pieces you have available. And not having Rondé last night, to me, was glaring because – I was like, okay, we don't have JV. He got foul trouble. You know, uh, Juancho's bad. Okogi has to be on the wing. And 
we don't trust McDaniels that even though he's looked decent in garbage time and this is a close game. So maybe they're like, it's too soon. Yeah. I was like, this is a good Rondé game. And, and, and yes, Rondé and, and JV are very similar, but the difference is Rondé, Rondé actually showed that he had a little bit of a mid range and that yeah. he was willing to shoot corner threes. Uh-huh. And I think that is something that would have made defenses respect him a little bit more. He wasn't completely inept on offense, um, but he had that same kind of aura of, I'm just going to do what I'm going to have to do to make folks respect me. And that's what we needed. So I get mad that we let him go. I understand why we did. But yesterday yeah. was a clear example of when Rondé would have made a world of a difference. And we would have never let, never let the Grizzlies back into the game if we had him available. Yeah. So that's one of the main things, for me at least. Yeah, and and the tough thing with Rondé was if you were going to keep him and you still wanted financial flexibility, the person you were probably going to cut to do that was Jared Vanderbilt. So you kind of had to be okay with having either both of them and no financial flexibility whatsoever or just having one of them. And I guess if you're picking one, I probably would have picked Vanderbilt too. He's younger. Um, and he's been oh, with the team. Um, and I, I just, and he fits, he has more of a body type for the, you know, he's six foot nine opposed to six foot six for Rondé, even though Rondé played much bigger than that. But yeah, that's, that's been the, that's been the thing that Wolves, Wolves fans are never going to get over. And I wish we could have, would have kept him. The Jaden McDaniels thing is interesting, but he needs like 20 pounds of muscle before he is ready to bang with the big dudes. But he has really good defensive instincts. It's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I, I, I think it's true. I think obviously with time he'll put on weight that he'll need uh, to hang with a lot of these NBA dudes. But again, Brandon Clock. Brandon Clock yeah. was cooking Pancho Hernan Gomez. I'm sorry. If, 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 if he can get moved by Brandon Clark, and this is, again, no disrespect to Brandon Clark. It was just disappointing to see how easy it came to him when it, it, most nights things are difficult for Brandon. Yeah. I believe that McDaniels can still be in the right spots and, and finding ways to be to help to finding ways to help the team offensively. You know, I think that for me was kind of what kind of made me mad with the whole McDaniels thing is like that team plays small. They play small yeah. ball like we play small ball. They didn't have a, a, a towering Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin type power forward yeah. that was just going to out muscle you and really make you feel them for forty. No, they they play Brandon slight. Clark is Clark is six eight two fifteen. Wancho six nine two fourteen according to Basketball Reference. So they're you know the same size, but Wancho Brandon has more strength. Problem with McDaniel's is McDaniel's is six foot um, ten one eighty five. Yeah. I'm like I'm like six two one seventy five. Yeah, that's real. So that's so real. if he can get up to 200, 205, like he could be a solid player. So I like McDaniel's. He's just not gonna be. No, not this yet. year he's not a factor. Next year he know. might not even be a factor. But if he puts on muscle, he's gonna he's gonna be a solid solid option. I would say, or it's someone that you could at least get a look at and feel comfortable with. Um, but yeah. Can can I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. What are what are your thoughts about that second unit? Um, and 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 really the three players that I've that I'm starting to become a little bit concerned about. Um, and this is still a Ryan issue. Uh, Ricky Rubio, Jared Culver, and Anthony Edwards. Uh, once again, the three of them had a little bit of a stinker. Not a little bit. They had stinkers. Um, Edwards had a little bit of a flash in there uh, for a little bit, but good, good God Almighty! If we're gonna have, to, if we're gonna be winning games, the three of them are are going to have to contribute way more than they did last night. And Ricky Rubio's dismal return to Minnesota continues. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, Rubio's looked bad when he's been on the floor with bad players. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, Culver, oh man, I was so excited for Culver coming in this year. Even before preseason, like I was really high on him. I thought he was going to like turn out to be really solid. And he was for the beginning, for preseason, the beginning of the season even, he looked solid. And now he's just taken a turn for the worse. His, his shots haven't been falling. His free throw rate is back down to almost as bad as last year. Yeah, and 
the the defense still looks a little better than it did last year. That's um, that's good. The confidence is still a little bit better than it was last year, but um, I'm hoping that with a Kogi being back and and JC going back to that bench role and reassimilating into that and mm-hmm. getting used to playing with Edwards more, I think it'll be better because those two looked like they had really good synergy um, prior to a Kogi going down the first few games. And uh, Britt Robson noticed that too. So I wasn't like the only one that was like, oh, I like this, yeah. this pairing. But Edwards has struggled the last two games mightily. Like he scored zero. And then what he scored last night, he scored like three, two. He scored two. He was one for six shooting. He only played 17 minutes. So he didn't play his normal amount or anything. Um, and maybe that was good on Saunders to see that he was struggling and played him less minutes. I, I don't know, but Quancho um, uh, still played, so I don't know. I'm, 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 I refuse to give Ryan yeah. a pass. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, no, those two have been. You're kidding me. You know, Wancho was a plus seven last night. High uh, he, he was. was. I saw that. I saw that he was plus seven, and I remember I waking up this that. morning. I was like, how? How that's, was he a plus? That seven? Be, yeah, because I was like, okay, Cat was the only positive, and I was like, wait, that's a plus seven next to Wancho. Not a minus seven, but it makes sense because Wancho was in there to start the game. The Wolves, the first two stints that he was in there, the Wolves were up six when he got taken out. Um, And then to end the second, begin the third, the Wolves looked pretty solid and Wancho was in there for that. So he was probably much more than a, than a plus seven before that. And then he was, then it was bad after that. Um, But yeah, no, back to the bench thing. Uh, it's it's tough because those three don't exclusively play together. Yeah. Uh, but I thought Ricky Rubio would help Anthony Edwards more than he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Ant's still young. That's going to be the excuse for, for a while. But Ant has to be doing more than zero points and two points. He has to be getting to the to the rim more. He wasn't going against huge... Like, Valentunas a big dude, but he wasn't on the floor against Valentunas a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was Xavier Tillman, who's like a solid uh, build, but he's not like Valentunas' size, like Xavier Tillman is how big is he? 6'8, 245. So he's like big, but he's not strong. He's not gonna like Ant's well, almost as strong as him. I mean Tillman looked kind of strong last night. He had a few yeah. strong takes most. He, he is strong. Things, I mean he's two forty five. Like that's he's a big dude, nah, but Ant 30. is also two hundred and thirty. Yeah. So like and way more athletic than Tillman. So he's still gotta be going at those guys. And he just wasn't doing that last night. Um but then again, he's a rookie and his confidence is probably going to wane and you're going to see games where he's, what did he do before he put up zero? I'm pretty sure that was the 26 point night. Granted, it was garbage time, but like it was still 20 something. Um, so he's probably going to kind of be a roller coaster for a while. I think with Edwards as well, I think teams are starting to recognize that he is a threat. Like we can we can talk all about how you know he needs to be shooting more in rhythm. His shot's a little bit wonky and that was one of one of my red flags with him before we drafted him. Um, we, we can talk about how he, can, he needs to be more aggressive attacking the rim. But there were a few possessions when he was in there in the second quarter where, you know, Memphis was sending two guards and they were telling them, go over the screen on him, not because he's a shooter, but because if you give him space to run down at you, he's such a threat. And you would see how Tyus – is so fast. It's so fast. And you saw, like, they would swarm at him and that will force him to give him up. I think the downside with that is that in a lot of the lineups that he was playing, he wasn't playing with any other shooters out there. I mean, he spent a lot of time with Rubio next to him, JC next to him, or occasionally Okogi out there next to him, or JV with them. That's three or four players that are not notorious three-point shooters. That's really going to suffocate what he's capable of doing because if you're Memphis, you're saying, I can pack the paint. Oh, Ricky Rubio wants to shoot this weird fadeaway from the corner? We can live with that. JC yeah. shot looking kind of wild. We can live with that. And so if you're Anthony Edwards and you have the ball in your hands and you're seeing five defenders and, you know, coming into this game, I think Memphis was rated six defensively despite not having yeah. being at full strength. So you, you got to commend them at least for what they're doing defensively. Uh-huh. I think that's really tough for Anthony Edwards to create his own shot when every time someone's in your way, like there was even a moment when he was playing with Cat in there. I think it was Cat and Juancho. There's one scene where he had made a beautiful cut into the lane Juancho was cutting into the same spot in the lane when he yeah. should have definitely cleared. And they basically bumped into each other and the ball went out of bounds. It was like, again, Juancho, what are you doing? But then you also felt for Anthony Edwards because that was actually a great play. But because of yeah. somebody else's 
inability to recognize what was going on, you weren't able to capitalize on it. And so that, those are some of the things where, you know, we started this talking about our frustration with Ryan Saunders is figuring out what are the lineups that work. And, and I think something that I wrote about on Twitter last night in particular is that we try to run the same offense and the same flow with both Ricky and D'Angelo Russell. And I get that it's good for continuity and, de- and, and defining rhythm yeah. and not guys, but there are such different point guards with such different needs. And when they're in there, they play with such a different pizzazz that you need to define two playing styles when they're out there. Yeah. And the D-Lo, tough thing is they're both, they're both really good passers. You know, they're both good distributors, but they're also passing in a totally different way. And two, their shot selections are totally different. So uh-huh. even if they can facilitate similarly, they they don't act in the offense the same way, which is just not it doesn't work. And I I think it's good to have like Nas Reed over at Davis to have that continuity of like a big who's not just stuck on the block or just setting yeah. screens. But you can still differ a little bit. They're NBA players. They can run more than just one type of set. Um but the, the Edwards thing is they need to be running more sets for him. And I think the one thing that's actually looked really good this year has been uh, pick and rolls and pick and pops with Nas Reed. Nas mm-hmm. isn't the greatest screener in the world, but Edwards makes Edwards makes defenders pay off of screens. And and I wrote a piece about this um, on a wolfamongwolves.com, but Edwards passing out of pick and rolls has been really good. Um, now he doesn't have a ton of, a ton of possessions doing it, but he, he keeps the ball low or high or whatever he's got to do. And he, he can zip a pass over someone's head. He can find someone in a corner. So like that opens up the game more. So I think that with that bench unit, they just need to open up more sets for, for Edwards. And that's on Saunders. Saunders is the one that should be calling that type of stuff. Um, So I just want to see more, more time with, because the Rubio Delo pairing and I tweeted that out earlier or whatever, but it's looked good when Cat's on the floor too. Yeah. So if you can have those three on the floor and let and let Edwards initiate on offense some more uh, with the bench unit, I think that would open up the doors for him to have more confidence and just to be more effective. Um, but I don't know if you kind of thought the same thing or what your thoughts on that is. It, it, it's weird because the Wolves have so many wings um, and we, we have some, you know, above average wings uh, and guards and we have others that are, you know, pretty decent. Yeah. I know we talked a little bit about Culver, Culver and Edwards. I am nearing a point where with Culver where I'm like, I'm actually okay if we don't play him, Um, especially if he's not going to have the confidence. And and I say this particularly because it helps with rotations. Um, I like, the stints when Edwards was in there with Malik Beasley. I want to see more of that. Um, and I think Malik and, and Edwards, obviously next to Rubio, I think synergy wise makes sense. Uh, just from a visual standpoint, you got a shooter, you, you have a slasher, you have a guard that can get them the ball. Now, you know, Ryan will have to figure out how to make the minutes work and get them with the bigs. Uh, maybe a few minutes with Cat, and then you bring in Nas. Or you can start it with Nas. You can, you know, end it with Cat, and then slowly but surely you bring back your starting lineup. Um, but but I but I like there was very few minutes that they played together, but I liked it um, because it gave spacing, and, and and I think that's part of the challenges when we talk about why we're so frustrated with Ryan Saunders is that he's either going okay, we're going to go for middling up, we're going to go for great offense and middling defense, or we're going to go for minimal offense and all defense, and it's like. No, you you always need That's to have a balance. certain you need to have that balance and the balance is possible. Um and you need to make the hard decisions and and cut cut out the fat. You know, if Jared yeah. Culver is going to keep looking timid or he's going to continue struggling with his jump shot, like I know that he's good defensively, but he's no Josh Okogie, right? Yeah. So, if he's not going to be able to contribute in that way, you have other players that are out there trying to get Ws and and you cannot afford to lose games like I know that they're going to come out against Memphis in the second game, and they're probably going to do just like they did with the Spurs. Even though the Spurs didn't have the Rosen, but I ain't going to say none. Um, yeah. I'm going to be in trouble. Um, but they're going to come out against the, the, the Memphis again, and I'm pretty sure they'll probably walk away with the W because they'll feel stupid yeah. and they'll look really bad if they lose. 
but Ryan needs to shorten that rotation down. You know, say what you will about Thibs, but Thibs recognize really quickly, these players can't help me win. Cool. I'm only going to play these eight, nine players then. And I think we're reaching a point where that might have to start happening. Okay. Okay. So, so you can shorten it or, or do you get a look at, you know, Culver's not looking good. You know, maybe you put Culver in for a couple minutes and he just doesn't have it tonight. What about, what about going to Jalen Noel? What if, what if Noel can come in, give you some more scoring output, um, especially in like a situation where you don't need another great wing defender? Or what about Jordan McLaughlin and let McLaughlin run loose with Edwards on the second unit and run more Rubio Russell in the first unit. And then you can um, kind of let, you know, cause McLaughlin gets things going offensively and he's on a two way. So he can't play every single game, but he has 50 games out of the 72 and he's already sat out a couple. So, um, and it wouldn't be like an every game type of thing, but like why not open the door to those, those two guards I know they're definitely a lot smaller and you're, you're sacrificing some size there, but that's an option because those types of players are going to be the guys that make your offense go with the second unit. Culver's not doing that. He's providing you more defense, some solid cutting when he's confident. Um, but yeah, like why not go to those guys? What is your thought of like going to those guys rather than just shortening it um, in general? You know, I, I like shortening it because you can build more continuity and you can keep the guys that are hot. Um, but I like J-Mac. I do like J Mac a lot, and I know his his, his two way definitely uh, lessens how much how much he can actually play and be out there with the guys. But when he is out there, like you said, he he's very fluid uh, offensively. He's a good shooter. He knows how to get into the paint. He knows how to set folks up um, defensively. He's obviously undersized, but he's always in the right places. And right. we all know he is deceptionally athletic. We all saw that last year um, with, with with some of the monster dunks he had during the season. The one on Capella just sticks out in my mind so much. Like, hey. no business being five eleven and doing that, but he did. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, what? But I, I, and I, think, I love J Mac too, so I'm I'm right with you. You know, and I, I think with with J Mac, the thing with him that becomes really interesting for me is in games when Ricky just does not have it going. I, th- I think Ricky has made some mistakes this season that are bone scratchers. Uh, like you're just scratching your head, head scratches, excuse me. They're just like, what, what is going on? Yeah. Like, you know, whether it's passes, whether it's, you know, rushing into shots that we know he doesn't have um, defensively, he, he, he's been far from advertised on that end either. Um, you know, certainly better than Russell in some spurts, but it, nothing that we've known him, especially back when he was in Minnesota or even in Utah or even right. last season with Phoenix, he's been, you know, sh- it's really been a, a terrible return on investment, uh, to be honest, in the second stint of Rick Rubio's career um, here in Minnesota. But I, and in those games, you got to put J-Mac in because you know when he comes in there, he's never going to play outside of what he is capable of doing. And I feel that that's what that second unit needs more than anything. And I think that's why a lot of us have been disappointed with Ricky because we are hoping that he could be a stabilizing force for a young team that we knew was going to take some time to mesh together with a shortened off season, a right. shortened season and all that. And he hasn't been, and you have another guard that's hungry and is also mad at his contract situation, even though he got yeah. it resolved. And he's going to, yeah, he's going to play his ass off all night because, because he still needs a contract next off season. Exactly. And he's going to want a full NBA contract that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But the, the problem goes back to him being on a two-way and he can't play every game. You make him active for a game, even if he doesn't play, like that counts. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the G League is going to look like. I think it's just going to be the bubble and then, then there's going to be nothing else. I don't know if J-Mac's going to go down there and then the Wolves are going to try and survive without him. And then if he has like he comes back, he has 45 games left and there's 45 games left in the Timberwolves season. You make him active every night and use him when you have to. I don't know what Saunders is going to do there, but it might be worth it to just to just activate them, you know, randomly a couple of times. But it's just hard when do you when do you do that? Um, yeah. Because what if you what if you do need him later on because of an injury or something? And all all of his all of his all of his games are gone, and now you just have to go with like Noel or Culver as the de facto point guard, which isn't yeah not I, not optimal. I, I'd rather not see that. Uh, you know, I, I got to take off here. I got to take off here soon. But, um, you know, briefly, like to, to close it out, 
at the end of the day, I think we a lot of the fan base is mad at, at, at Ryan Sanders, um, particularly with how he started the fourth. And by the time that the starters got back in there, they were too cold to really make a difference, even though yep. it was a close game. Um, you know, how, how, how long of a leash do you think Ryan Saunders has until Gerson's just like, you got to go. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's interesting because at the beginning of the season, I thought Saunders did some really good things, um, you know, deploying zone defenses, uh, to get stops and to just to kind of throw the offense off. And he looked pretty solid at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think even throughout some of these games where he's had like these really big, bad things he did, I think he's done some like some good things, you know, good things he's done is like getting Vanderbilt into the rotation. Like there was no telling if he was for sure a rotation player before the year. Um, but he gave him the chance. He realized and he's in there. Um, but the, the leash, the leash is probably longer than a lot of Timberwolves fans are um, happy for it to be uh, one because the players have his back. I mean, you, if you watch like Kat's interview last night, um, post game, that was corny cat. Those all the players wasn't on, it wasn't on Saunders at all. And I don't believe that. Um, but, but they're sticking up for the coach. So that, that bodes well. Um, and I just don't know where the wolves go other than that, because Vanterpool's Vanterpool's the next guy up people think, but you know, his defense hasn't, you know, I don't know that that part's kind of up in the air for me. I like David Vanterpool, but is he like realistically the next guy? And is he going to listen to what Rosas wants? And maybe that's something, maybe that's something fans don't want to hear too. Like maybe they're sick of Rosas being involved in like any type of rotational decisions, but that's the reality of the situation. So I think Saunders probably makes it out of this season unless the Wolves have multiple double double digit losing streaks again, which I don't think will happen, but. I mean, I, you, you never know with this Timberwolves team. I mean, I, we, we all thought that they were going to go in there, uh, whoop some ass, you know what I'm saying, take care of business against the Memphis Grizzlies. We, You and I yeah. were both extremely optimistic about this, you know, 10-game stretch. I think it's it's, it's right. now uh, started off on a more sour note. You know, I, I think I agree with everything you said. I think he, he has an extremely long leash with Rosas. Um, and at the same time, you know, even if he were to go, David Vanterpool would surely be uh, the next up. And there's there's not much convinced. We're not convinced yet that even he is ready yet uh, for this sort of role, considering where our defense is. Um, you know, it it for me the wolf season is is interesting because I think Dane talks about this all the time about how you should be trying to be in uh, you know playoff. Playoff contention, or at least a play-in tournament. That's where the Wolves are should be aiming to be, and that's where Rosas definitely believes this team should be with the talent on this roster because he's not done building the roster, um, and they're currently not there. I think me like it's 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 weird watching this team, especially when they start off as hot as they did yeah. when they are firing on all cylinders. When when D'Lo and 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 Beasley and Cat are playing like the way they are, they they're playing like. They remind me of a, a poor man's Portland. Yeah. Except they have a jokishish player with better offense, in my opinion, um, in Cat, you know, which is it something that. Like, like a mixture between like like Portland and Denver. Yeah. Because you have like a Jokic type center, which Portland doesn't have. But Portland doesn't really have two guards that can light it up. Like Exactly. Or Denver doesn't have two guards light up like Portland. Portland. So, yeah, I'm with you there, too. You know, so when I was watching them just go, you know, just changing buckets, D'Lo coming down, bucket, Malik, Malik coming in, bucket, Cat coming here, dish, yeah. and I was like, that's the recipe. I, I, I see the vision, right? You see the Rosa's vision, right? But then you see the end product with everything else around them, or you see how some of the tools that he put in there. I think there's, I think there's some magic in there. Not, not like okay. We, we have some a bunch of all-star candidates or anything like that. I'm like, no, but there's folks out there on our roster that can actually help us win games. Three dudes and that not- can average 20-plus. Like, Be- Beasley's averaging 20 right now. So, like, they can score. They surround- it's it's the- I don't put much blame on those three because when the games are close, like we talked about earlier, like, like D'Lo does look engaged on defense. Absolutely. Cat has been engaged on both sides of the floor. And Malik, they've, been, Malik they've all been scoring. Yeah. And and it's just been everybody else. Nobody else scored in double figures. Like that's you're not gonna win a game unless like 
each of your starters or each of those three guys put up 30 instead of 20 didn't happen. But yeah, I, I see the vision, but the complementary pieces need to be there. But I, I think that trio will maybe not championship contender, but like that trio will be a really solid team if there's better fitting pieces um, around them. And they're young, so they still they still have room for growth themselves, even too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, all right. Um, I don't want to I don't want to keep you any longer. So thanks again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. This was fun. We'll definitely have to do this again. This was your first time with me on a podcast. I know you do podcasts all the time with other situations, but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, if you guys want to follow Jeffrey on Twitter, it's at the Jeff. Bisoy, so that's uh, B-I-S-S-O-Y. So you can follow him on Twitter. Um, occasional written words over at wolfmongwolves.com. But yeah, thanks again for coming on. Uh, any Anything you want to plug quick? No, appreciate y'all for having me. I, I, I love the website. I love talking wolves. Uh, so yeah, I keep listening to Brendan and what he has to say. He's a smart dude. He's a great writer too. So y'all take care. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. And I'm Brendan. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.